Hello and welcome back to the Blue Tomorrow podcast. Well, Tom, it's starting to seem like we are something of a good luck charm. Before we started this podcast, it felt like the Chelsea men's team hadn't won in years. Since then, they've won three times or in a Champions League quarterfinals. So I guess my first question is, have we saved Chelsea? I think we might have done. I think this is a direct effect. 100%. I'm, I'm joking, of course. But yeah, another great performance at the weekend. 3-1 against Leicester and the Chelsea women. 1-0 against title challengers Manchester United. We're going to start with them today. Uh, they went top of the table with the win over Manchester United. And they're now two points clear with a game in hand over both United and City, who sit below them. Arsenal, I think, are a point behind them, but they also have a game in hand. What did you make of the game? You were at it. I was, yeah. Uh, no, it was good. Very good. I think um, it was sort of the tactical way we needed to play, set up, play for the win. Uh, made a lot of improvements from the weekend before against Arsenal. Obviously, we got the win in the midweek beforehand. But yeah, I think Emma Hayes got everything right, the way she set up her side. They dealt, held the ball very well in possession, kept United very quiet. Uh, I don't think there was very much from Alessia Russo or Ella Toon to threaten Berger in goal. She did make one good save midway through the second half, but nothing... Well, so midway for the first half, but nothing to really sort of challenge us. But, I mean, it took a bit of wonderful skill from Lauren James to play that pass over the top. Sam Kerr bringing it down as well, as well as she possibly can and a great finish. It it's arguably is one of the goals of the season so far. Just brilliant play and a well-deserved win. I'm not sure there's a huge amount of argument, to be honest, because that is one of the best passes I've ever oh, seen. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was Honestly, absolutely ridiculous. unreal. Uh, you mentioned the dominant defensive performance from Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They managed Manchester United very well and kept them out of the game for large portions of it. But should Chelsea have scored more? Because from my memory and from watching back highlights of the game, it seems like Sam Kerr had a number of opportunities that she should have tucked away, really. Yeah, there were a couple of moments where we, where we found, especially late in the second half, where they've found the ball at their feet quite close to goal in great positions. And yeah, I think you are right. They definitely should have killed the game off. I mean, there was never any real threat late on that United might have grabbed an equaliser. But yeah, maybe they should have got that second just to make them extra sure that they were going to pick up the three points. Yeah, well, you never know with a, a 1-0 lead. It's, no, it's not the safest. It's not safe line. at all. And so they've got their away fixture next at City uh, in the league. That's mm-hmm. their next league game. They've yeah. got a, a cup game and a Champions League game in between that. So a busy time for the Chelsea women team. But is that game against City a potential title decider for Chelsea? If they win that, they really, really are in a position where they should be going on to win the title. It's, it's, it puts them in the driving seat for sure if they're able to pick up the three points there. Obviously, it'll be very early still to say that Chelsea, the way Chelsea have played in some of their games this season, they do seem to like throwing some good free goals to the opposition. So that could <laughs> always slip it up. But yeah, the assured defence was a good sign from United in the United game. So... Yeah, if they do get the three points, uh, they will be in a position where, I mean, with the game in hand as well, still, they, they it'll be theirs to throw away. Yeah, and it's going to be an important and a tough uh, Champions League game against Lyon, one of the best women's teams in the world. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to make it through? Because in recent years, Chelsea women have struggled in the Champions League. Yeah, it's a very tough test. There's not really many more tougher teams we could have asked to be drawn against there. Not quite the powerhouse they were a few years ago. Arsenal did make relatively short work of them in the group stages but they did rally in the second half of the group stages to get themselves qualified um so it would be it'd be a tough game i think we've seen with women's football in europe in europe that teams don't seem to travel very well um, away results are tough to come by but if they do manage to keep it nice and low scoring and pick up a point or maybe even the win away from home in the first leg then the, i mean the bridge is going to be rocking either way for the second leg so it's a winnable it's a winnable tie but it won't be any short task either 
Absolutely. Moving on from a team that we expect to always win to a, a team that we've grown accustomed to losing, uh, the Chelsea men. Three wins in a row. It seems... It seems unthinkable when you when you go back a couple of weeks ago to that uh, performance against Southampton, that 1-0 defeat, and then the, the following defeat against Tottenham. Mm. Chelsea were in an absolute shambles. I don't know what Graham Potter's done. He's clearly clearly said something to the players or, or done something like that. But a dominant display against Leicester. Uh, Chelsea really controlled the game. And apart from a brief period after Leicester equalised, it seemed like Chelsea would get the three points throughout that game. And I just want to touch on someone who I think was really instrumental in that victory, Enzo Fernandez, Obviously, in a very expensive signing in the January transfer window. We've seen glimpses of him at his best, but not really fulfilling the price tag that we, we paid for him. But this game against Leicester really showed that he is at another level to the players around him. I have wrote down here that he's a Jorginho that can pass forward. Oh, <laughs> nice. I like it. <laughs> he completely controls possession and... His ability to just pick out a pass from nowhere. I mean, I'll go to Tom on the assist to Havertz, but my personal thoughts are that it's absolutely sublime. Tom? That's a good word to use, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's lovely to see a, a player in his position picking out these passes. I think we only saw it from Jorginho maybe two or three times where he'd pick out a pass of that calibre to set up a goal. But to do it in the in the period of the game as well, where we need it the most, when we just e- just conceded the equaliser, to pick out that lovely lofted pass, perfectly timed run from Havertz as well. But yeah, you, you're right, he, he was starting to really seem like he's bedding into the squad now. He's showing a lot more glimpses of what we know we can do, especially as we saw what we saw in the World Cup. I mean, yeah, it's it's great to see that he's controlling what we... Well, we, we're getting what we paid for, controlling the possession, creating chances. And, well, I mean, we could see him with Kante in a few weeks and I, I don't even want to begin to <laughs> think about what he's capable of with that man next to him. So. Yes, he's, a, he's an undeniably special talent, I think. 20, 22 years old, yeah, is he? He's going to go right to the very top, oh. to quote, quote Harry Redknapp. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's choo-choo on the Chilwell train because Benjamin <laughs> Chilwell is back at his very best. An absolutely stunning, stunning goal against Leicester to open the scoring. His old club, who... He weren't treating him very nicely and he gave it right back to them when he scored. So. Yeah, quite rightly. I just think he's he's making such a difference to our team. He, I think he's more important for us right now than Reese James is, which is saying a lot. Reese James is still obviously a phenomenal player, but Chilwell is just having that extra edge in attack at the moment. Tom, what did you make of his goal and his overall performance? Uh, yeah, he is, he is, when he is on his game like he is at the moment, he is one of the best in his position in the world. I mean... The, the attacking threat as well as the defensive now so he, ha- he offers to our team is is what we what we lack so much when he's not there. Obviously, when Kukurea was out on that left side, he wasn't producing anywhere near what Chilwell's playing for for us now. We have seen Chilwell at this level before in a Chelsea shirt, brief periods of last season and brief periods at the start of this season where once he gets scoring, he just doesn't seem to stop. Like The goal was... He had no right to take it on the first time, put it past the keeper, but he, he managed it, which is, yeah, amazing. He, he is exactly what we need in this team. And uh, yeah, at the moment, he is probably our best player. I think it's fair to say that Ward probably should have saved it. But yeah, still, well, to, right, to control yeah. that shot is just absolutely <laughs> unreal, really. Oh. He's exactly what Chelsea needs. And he's proving to be a top, top finisher from a defensive position, which is what we have missing Moving on to someone who didn't look quite quite as solid, in my opinion, I, I got flamed for saying this on Twitter, but I thought Kepa looked pretty poor aerially. 
Uh, a couple of occasions he was flapping at balls. And from the highlights that I've just looked at and shown Tom, uh, Leicester, <laughs> Leicester should have scored twice um, from his from his poor aerial work, I guess is the best way to describe it. Uh, Gallagher made a block on the line and Dewsbury Hall missed a shot that was basically an open goal, which he should have scored. And that... That would have cost Chelsea if those get, if those goals had gone in. And on another day, they would. But we did get the news this week that Edouard Mendy is back in training. I'm a big Edouard Mendy fan. This is the man who was the best goalkeeper in the world less than two years ago. So... I'd rather have a goalkeeper that can catch the ball when it comes in aerially. Tom, I know you, you have a slightly different opinion to me on this, but... What do you think? Yeah, I'm not as strong in my my love for Edward Mendy. I don't. I mean, obviously, everything he did between when he first joined us right up to basically the start of 2022, he was why he yeah was arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, he does offer a lot that Kepper struggles with. His height and his reach is double what Kepper has. I mean, Kepper's poor aerial ability is not something that is new to Chelsea fans. They've seen it for many years now. It's Sadly, something that does prevent him from going above the level that we see him at. Um, I mean, he, he, does, he has definitely done some good things, Kepper, over the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, he's done enough to earn a recall to the Spain side. He's not been in the international squad for a number of years now, so that's a good sort of plus for him. But it'll be interesting to see once Mendy's up into full fitness, how he does his training, whether Potter's willing to give him that chance. Obviously, we don't have any sort of minor tournaments where he can play in. There'll be Premier League games, pretty much every Premier League game now will matter to us if we can keep this run going and threaten the European spots. So it'll be a big risk to change the keepers out unless Kepa does start making some catastrophic errors that do lead to goals. I think, yeah, it'll be, it will be an interesting few weeks to see if Mendy comes in. Obviously, there is his talks of his contract as well. Apparently, there's, they're so far apart in what they want, the board and Mendy himself or Mendy's team. So that may be a contributing factor whether he gets back into the side and then there's loads of rumours going around that Chelsea might look to buy a new keeper in the summer anyway so yeah well I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what we do with keeping position for the next few games it will be an interesting interesting scenario that will play out yeah I do want to point out this is not a flame kepper session mm. from me I I have been very impressed with him this season I thought just at saving shots he's very good I just think it's going to be a problem when teams figure out if they just stick the ball on his head he's never going to catch it which surprises me that more teams don't do that to There's be honest many number of goals we can see from them just shooting from range and Kepper is not tall enough to reach yep. it but yeah yeah that's another issue with Kepper but we already know about that one yeah you mentioned Mendy's contract which is interesting because I want to move on to another player who's been in the news this week unsurprisingly he's always in the news oh well on Chelsea Twitter anyway mm. Uh, Mason Mount, his contract apparently there looks to be it looks to be far apart club and the player. What do you make of that that situation? Because there's rumours that he doesn't want to sign a long term deal, which obviously a lot of other players that haven't played at the club have committed themselves to. Fernandez, Mudrik, uh, Madueku. It gets it's going to get to the summer. It's going to get to a point where. If he's not looking at signing the new contract, do you sell him? It's a tough situation at the moment with Mason Mount. Obviously, he's not been anywhere near his best this season. Probably not since October. He's not played a good game for Chelsea. And then everything we're reading online is that yeah, any chance of him re-signing, committing to a new deal is a long way off. Um, 
I do understand his reluctance to commit to a long-term contract. He's Why? He's been in the club for a long time, since he was eight years old. You don't, he's not at that young age like the players we've signed anymore. He is 22, 23 years old. Fernandes signed an eight-year deal. Fernandes, yes, he did. But that's obviously a very different situation where we have a transfer fee that we, the club needs to pay off. So if we want to sign these players, we have to get them on these bumper contracts. I don't, can't think of an example where a player has re-signed at a club that they're at and is committed to a new five-year, six-year deal. It would normally be a two, three-year add-on. I can give you one. Okay, go on. Rhys James. Rhys James, yeah, that is that is a fair <laughs> fair example. But I think with Rhys James's contract is where maybe some of the the reasons that they're so far apart on mounts offer because the money that Rhys James has reportedly been put on is something similar mount wants, and apparently the club aren't willing to give him it. So that might well, be one of the reasons. Rhys James is a much better player than Mason Mount. again, again that is fair. But Mason Mount has been our best player in two of the four seasons he's played for us, so he has every right. He won Player of the Year in two of the four seasons he's played. He, he deserved Player of the Year in one of those seasons. He definitely did not it was It was a bit more season. debatable in the second one. But again, that Champions League run in 2021, he was one of our most influential players on agree, the pitch. Agree, agree. It's just, it's always a shame that when these contract situations come up it and you're not playing well on the pitch, it gives a, a little bit more of the flames that we've seen from... I mean, Mount gets so much hatred from all angles and then gets very, very protected from other angles, so it creates this toxicity that we have in our fan base with him, which is very sad to see for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. Obviously, the contract is it's on ice at the moment, I think, is the latest reports. But if there isn't a chance that he's going to resign, then I would sell him, but on the precaution that we don't sell him to a close rival. Like, if he goes to Liverpool or somewhere like that, I have every fear that they'll turn him back into what he was before, and that will, that will look stupid on us quite heavily. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the abuse he gets on Twitter, I think, is absolutely abhorrent. Oh. And it makes it difficult for me as, as a normal fan, someone who's not just going to abuse one of their players, to actually criticise Mason Mount because I feel like I'm feeding the Twitter yeah, trolls. Yeah, it's always the, always the worry. And they all jump on like like ants on a on a piece of fruit and they just oh, attack yeah. him. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Any that, little thing he yeah. does, they will they will find it and they will use it and they will abuse him for it. Yeah. Even when he doesn't play, he still gets abused. Oh. It's, it's unreal. But if that contract personally for me personally, I'm on a on a different level to Tom. I think if that contract uh, by the summer is not signed or close to being signed, he should be sold. Just for the fee that we'd get back, we need to bring in some money yeah, after no, the amount of money we've been spending. That's where it is with it. I agree he, with he, that. Would, he would cost a big transfer, but <laughs> Realistically, the only clubs that are going to be able to pay that transfer are English clubs, yeah. are Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United. I don't know which of those clubs are going to want him. Liverpool, probably the most likely destination. And I think if Liverpool offer £60 million plus for Mason Mount, it would be a difficult offer to turn down. I'm not sure he's... <laughs> I've seen glimpses from him, but I'm not sure I've seen enough to know that he's going to be an £100 million player in the future. But then again, Enzo Fernandes cost £100 million and he was playing in the Portuguese league last for six months yeah <laughs> so it's it's difficult to judge how how much a player should be worth obviously i hope he signs the contract because he is he is proper chels yeah. <laughs> yeah, i don't know what anger some people passion. but he, he is proper chels and he he is a good player there is a good player inside of him and he is worth signing on a new deal even if he will most likely not even be a starter at the moment i don't no, think he gets yes. i don't think he gets back into the team when he's well, if he has been injured. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the other thing as well. We're not too sure about that. But yeah, no, I think there's loads of players in his position who, rightfully so, will start ahead of him at the moment. And yeah. it'll be hard for him to make his way back into the side. 
But if he's willing to show that fight and he fights his way back into the team and he performs at the level that we know he can done, can do or has done in the past, then, I mean, it would be great to get him on a new deal. Mm. Anyway, let's move on to my most favourite section. Testing Tom. Here we go. <laughs> this section, I've based it off our last performance against Leicester because if you may have noticed about all three goals, they were all volleys. Ooh. Chilwell's volley, Havertz's first-time chip, and Kovacic's kind of scissor kick thing. Yeah, yeah they were all on the volley. Yeah. <laughs> all incredible goals, all beautiful to watch, and a volley's always good to watch. So I've put together a little four questions on volleys, Chelsea volleys, of course. The current score is 1-1. One, one. Mm-hmm. Tom has to get all four to get a point. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a little, little, I, little against me here, but no, that's understandable. I just have to catch him out on one. So for this quiz, I'm going to give you the final scoreline of the game, okay. the competition it was in, okay. and the year. Right. You have to get the player that scored the volley mm-hmm. and the team that they scored against. Right. Okay. This could be interesting. I'm going to start with one that I hope is quite easy okay. because I, I don't know how hard you're going to find <laughs> this. A one-all draw okay. in the Champions League in 2009. Okay, so the team was Barcelona, it was Michael Essien, and what was the third thing you need from me? No, that's, oh, that's just it. Yeah, yeah so that's Barcelona, Michael Essien. Yeah, probably, in my opinion, the greatest ever goal a Chelsea player has scored at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, unfortunately. It's, it's a tough one. What about right? the Essien one against yeah, that's, Arsenal? Yeah, that, <laughs> that is one of the ones I would argue with, definitely. Um, unfortunately, the referee completely ruined that Tom game Tom Hennig of Brabo. Yeah. I will never forget that name. When Iniesta equalised. Mm. I, I I woke up in the morning because I wasn't allowed to stay up to watch the games because I was only nine at this oh. point. I wasn't allowed to stay up to watch the games. And my my stepdad at the time uh, was like, you shouldn't watch the game. And I was like, I'm going to watch the game. What are you talking about? So I put it on. I can't remember if it was 1-0 already or was it 1-0 at halftime? Or uh, we, yeah, we were best in score in like the fifth minute. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was watching the game and I was like, they're not going to score. Mm. We're playing so well. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, like the 91st minute or whenever it was, Iniesta scored that ridiculous goal. They're down to 10 men. We should have four penalties. Oh, it's, yeah, Unbelievable. It's Disgusting. Disgusting. A disgrace, as a one disgrace. video dropper called it. <laughs> Rightfully so. But it helps you get the answer. So yeah. there you go. Good. Right, next Sorry. question. A 3-3 draw in the Premier League in 2012. 2012, 3-3 draw. Oh, can I only cheeky and ask the season? Is it 11, 12 or 12, 13? Um, I don't know. Oh, actually, no, 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 I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need it. You've got it. Manchester United. Juan Mata. That is correct. Nice. And can you remember what happened in that game? You, you've uh, got the answer right. Yeah, right. This, this is the game where we went 3-0 we went up, isn't it? And then, yeah, yeah we got we got pegged back to three or two penalties, I believe, Man United had. Yeah, and... Chicharito, as he often did against us, scoring scoring in the last minute. Yeah, okay, next question. You're two for two so far. I think the next two might be harder, or they might be easier. It depends. (laughs) I have have spotty areas in my knowledge. (laughs) Right, a one-all draw in the Premier League in 1999. Oh, 99. Okay, if it's a famous volley, there's only one really from that era. I can think of. Is it Sunderland, Gus Poyet? 
<laughs> that is the correct yes. answer. That Very well cute. done. Very well done. That is quite a famous goal, but still, just to get it for yeah, one. It's a, it's a, I think it was on the, the opening day of that season, so it gets played on Chelsea Twitter quite often for, yeah. before the opening day of any season. So it was a very, very good very goal. But, goal. I mean, I thought Zola's pass was even better. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think I rewatched it relatively well, recently. Kind of similar to Enzo Fernandez's mm. pass against Leicester. Yeah, it lifts it nicely. Perfect spot for him. To... Right, final question. Oh, come on. This is for all the marbles. Okay, for the point. 4-2 win. You're going to get this. Ooh. In the Carabao Cup Ooh. in 2016. Okay, yeah. So this is against then Premier League champions Leicester City. And it was Cesar Aspliqueta. Yeah, that was a, an unreal goal. Tom wins. It's yeah. 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to make these harder, man. Oh. I, was, I was watching a compilation of all the volleyed goals Oh, is it, Chelsea. Is it a Chelsea YouTube video? By yeah. I have definitely seen that. In it's only got 206 club. views, so I'd be surprised ah. if you oh, might, oh, It's not the official account one that I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, no. It's... Yeah, all those goals do feature on there. <laughs> But yeah, I was watching a lot of goals going in, but I had no idea who they were being scored against, so I couldn't find oh, the okay, games yeah. to reference. Another, the, the other old one I thought you might bring up was Mario Stanich's from about 2001. I did see that one, but I, could, I couldn't. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know who the opponent it's, was. I believe so. it's, it's a Claret Blue team, and I think it's David James in goal, but he did play for Villa and West Ham. So yeah. oh, I think it was West Ham. But well done, Tom. Thank you win, you win again. Your brain, your brain power wins. It's such a shame we started with that week where I didn't. I couldn't. Make this a street. I know you would have been three for three. We'll we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it halfway. Okay, let's move on to some news we got today uh, about international call-ups in the England team. Reese James, Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher, and Ben Chilwell were all called up. Raheem Sterling was not uh, believed to be due to an injury that he's still struggling with. What do you make of those players getting called up, especially Gallagher, because he hasn't been playing. He's been playing as a sub really, so I'm a bit surprised he's been called up. Although. Gareth Southgate's called up Maguire again, so mm, yeah. <laughs> maybe he just has his favourites. I mean, I, I'll, I'll start with, I, can't, I don't think I can remember the last time we had four players in the England squad. It's quite, it's very nice to see, be back at sort of the high levels that we've had before. Um, I think with Gallagher, I think it's a case of Southgate really likes him. Um, he did go to the World Cup, although he didn't play a single minute. Um, he, he, he has played very, very well. I think the under-21s he was playing for at the start of the season was very key in some of the wins that they got in their qualifiers. So he's someone who can add something to the England midfield. There will be, I have no idea whether he'll play in either the Italy game or the Hungary game that we have, but no, it's good for him that he's getting called up. I think he's in his best moment in a Chelsea show at the moment. He's all three of the games where he's come off the bench, he has done something that's been very key to just getting the results and the block on the line at the weekend was, was very good from him. So I think, yeah, he's deserved of his call up at the moment. I agree. I think he's been playing really well off the bench. I think I mentioned last week he's become a bit of a super sub for us. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely touched on it, yeah. But I'm, I'm still a bit surprised he's been called up, really. But fair enough. Mm. Uh, all I hope is that they don't come back injured, especially oh, Reese James and Ben Chilwell, yes. who <laughs> we finally got fit again. Mm. And whenever, whenever your players go on an international break, you always fear the worst. But let's talk about Wesley Fofana, because that's probably the biggest news out of the international call-up so far. He's been called up for the... France national team, yeah, probably has. the best team. Well, okay, Argentina are the best team yeah, in the world, yeah, but yeah. France are the second best team <laughs> in the world. And getting into that defence is a challenge, so well done to Wesley Fofana, but I think he's thoroughly deserved it. He's been unbelievable for Chelsea since he's come back into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Every game he looks looks at the top of his top of his game, and 
a worthy replacement of the injured Thiago Silva. I think he's been our best defender since Silva got injured. Uh, what do you make of his call-up? Yeah, no, I think it's very deserved. I think uh, Deshaun said today when he called him up that it would have happened long ago if the injuries hadn't caught up with him. Um, yeah, I'd agree with you that he has been probably our best defender without Silva. Obviously, he's only played three, four games since he's been back, but it's it's testament to his ability that he's come in from an injury and he hasn't and he hasn't had a chance to be dropped because he's been that good and that key that he's that we have to keep him in the side. So yeah, I think that's a well deserved call up there. I think we also need to give a shout out to Mark Kukurea as well. He's been called up for the Spain squad, which I forgot to remind you of earlier. <laughs> so that's that's very good as well. That's testament again to the defensive improvements we've made. And I think yeah, Kep, I mentioned earlier that Kepa got recalled to the Spanish squad as well. So yeah, there's been. Some good and well-deserved picks from from the sort of the rest of Europe, but yeah, Wesley Favana very deserved to be in that France squad, alongside more, obviously Upa Mercado, Canarse, Varane, some good players in that position. So it'd be interesting to see how much he plays, and again, Touchwood hopefully gets through the the two three fixtures and doesn't get hurt. Yeah, very well, very well deserved from those players. I'm, again, I'm surprised about Cucurella, but fair enough. Ah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's been playing well in the last. I think they, they did give him a call up. I think he got one call up when he was at Brighton. So he's but obviously they're, they're so he's already done. he's already embedded in the squad. Yeah, kind I mean, of, yeah, way. they do have a new manager as well. But yeah, they're not they're not abreast with players on the left hand side anymore. Spain true, true, defense, true. So, yeah, that's... so let's talk about the last thing we're going to talk about today: Everton at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Everton, who have been a bit of a weird club when Chelsea play them in recent years, it seems like they often turn up or they mm. or they don't. Especially <laughs> when we go away, there they are a very bogey. It seems to be a bogey ground of ours, but luckily we're at home this time. But oh yeah, last season wasn't it? Richarlison yeah. goal, Frank yeah, Lampard. Yeah, yeah, like they desperately need a win. Can't beat anyone else. We let them yeah, win. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll roll over for you. To be fair, Pickford <laughs> did make a ridiculous double save. That I seem to remember it was probably our only good chance of that game. But yeah, it's disappointing result. Yeah. Okay, so Everton, they've been in all right form. They got a 1-0 win against Brentford at the weekend, but before that, they've struggled. 2-2 draw against Forest, lost 4-0 to Arsenal, and lost 2-0 to Aston Villa at home as well. Before that, their last win was Leeds. So they've got two 1-0 wins in their last game, last five games, but they've also lost 4-0 and 2-0. What do you think? We're coming into the game with a lot of confidence, and I don't think Everton will be coming in with quite the same confidence. They're still languishing down the table. They're 15th, only one point off the relegation zone. For them, it's a very important game, but at home against Everton, we really should be winning. Yeah, they obviously got the bigger result at uh, the weekend against Brentford, but I think since Sean Dyche has come in, they've they've seemed to be playing okay when they've been playing at home, but going away, they seem to look just as bad as they did under Frank. Um, I do have a slight fear it's going to be similar to when we face Southampton. Obviously, coming in, they're really desperately needing a result. And on paper, it looks like a very winnable game for Chelsea. But I think, as we've as you highlighted with their other results, they aren't as assured at the back as Southampton can be. As well. I mean, especially under the sellers now, they're three from three for clean sheets. So, yeah, I think it should be a, it should be an all right game for us. I think we have, obviously, the opportunity now where we've... Seem to have an 11 that Potter wants to keep. Obviously, with the international break coming up, you can sort of cement that side. Obviously, it comes at a poor time for us for the, the run of form we're in. But, uh, yeah, I think we can... If we play like we have done in the Leicester and the Dortmund game, we should easily come away with the three points here and it will be nice to keep the run going right the way to the international break. I agree. Do you think Mudrick starts again? 
It'll be interesting. Um, I mean, he was—he didn't really shine in the first half. Obviously, he was being deployed in a role where he's not too familiar with trying to get him inside. I think. I think sorry, I think saying he didn't shine in the first half is a bit of an. I know. I am well aware. terrible in the, the first half. That you and you and uh, Jackson were putting into the group chat, and probably rightfully so. But it was a lot better in the second. Yeah, half. Yeah, once he got moved further out onto the left, he was much more comfortable. Obviously, that is where he likes to play. I don't I don't know. I think, well, as Sterling's now out of the knock, maybe he will be the obvious choice at left wing. Um, maybe Pulisic gets a chance for him to start for once. I, I don't know whether Potter's ready to do that with him, whether we need to change it that much more. I don't know if we're going to see Ziyech in the Chelsea show ever again. So I think there's, there's, that's one less option there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts again, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he's left out either. I think it'd be nice for him to have a, a, a run in the team. So maybe, yeah, maybe we will. I haven't seen much of this this new Everton under Sean Dyche, but from what I can remember about the great man himself, he likes to play very low block defensive Oh, yeah, football. yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the reasons I fear it'll be similar to Southampton. Yeah, I think I just think Mudrick might struggle in, the, in a game against a team like that. When he's, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he definitely, he's definitely pretty poor. Behind. Yeah, in games where we have played teams that like to, well, or have set up with that sort of system. Obviously, against Fulham, he was non-existent same as when he came off the bench against Southampton yeah he just he doesn't seem to he likes a bit more space which we got he got in the Leicester game in the second half where they were pushing for an equaliser so yeah I'd be interested to see if he could if he does start whether he's able to deal with it a bit better you mentioned Ziyech I actually think this would be the perfect game for him to play not that I want him to play because yeah. I'm kind of over him but <laughs> this is the kind of team that he can actually break down although we've got Enzo Fernandez so we don't who needs the yeah yeah we don't need the, the man with one foot yeah, fine. <laughs> one fine. big piece of news that you made me aware of earlier today N'Golo Kante is in contention to play against Everton do you start him no <laughs> short answer no I think we've been doing the right thing and betting him back in really really slowly taking our time with him we don't need to rush him so I think he'll be on the bench, and if we're in a position where we're in a comfortable lead, then I think hopefully Potter will, can give him 10, 15 minutes just to slowly get him back used to it again. It'll be, it'll be nice to see whether, obviously, we, by the time this goes out, we'll know who we're facing in the next round of the Champions League, but I want him to be up to speed for those games rather than, OK, we throw you in for 40 minutes in a Premier League game and risk you getting hurt again. I think we've dealt quite well with the players coming back from injury, Obviously, we didn't to start with with Reese James, but everyone else has come in nice and slowly. We've been able to rotate them in and out when we needed to. Those who are a bit stronger have been able to have their minutes and get their strength up. So, yeah, I think for for this game and then I properly manage him over the international break. And by the time we get back, he'll be ready to go. I mean, I'm very glad that Didier Deschamps has not yes, done what God. he seems seems to like to do normally and pick Kante when he's when he's not 100% fit. But he has he, we have avoided that luckily. So. Yeah, yeah, I think slow betting off the bench. I think the other thing we need to avoid as well, if we are chasing the game, hopefully he doesn't isn't the one that we turn to and throw him on. It's like, okay, we need you to work out 100% to get this result for us. That'll be the worst case scenario. I think, yeah, just nice little 10, 15 minutes at the end of the game. Well, just a welcoming back. I agree. I think the reaction at Stamford Bridge when N'Golo Kante walks on the pitch, oh, if he does, will be a very nice, yes. nice atmosphere It'll to be. be to be a part of and on that note we're going to end it's been another episode of the Blue Tomorrow podcast I very much enjoyed hosting it with you Tom yeah, and great. hopefully Chelsea can continue their great form and our, our lucky streak can continue yeah we're not allowed to stop this podcast now every week we have yeah, to yeah we're it. just going to win every week yeah, exactly. until, until we've, we've won the Champions League the Premier League and every other trophy yeah. possible and the guaranteed Club World Cup that we're in in three years time <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs>
But thank you very much for listening if you made it this far and hopefully you come back for the next episode. But thank you very much and bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>